This is Agatha Brewer, and you're listening to the Intentional Solopreneur Podcast, the show about how to launch and grow a successful service-based business. In each episode, I show you how to build a business on purpose, one that lights you up, keeps you inspired, and helps you make a bigger impact on the world. I share both marketing strategy and my best mindset tips to help you get the clarity and confidence you need to succeed as a new business owner. Hi, everyone. This is Agatha Brewer, and you're listening to The Intentional Solopreneur. Today, I'm so excited to be joined by Angela Henderson. Angela is an international award-winning business coach for women, international keynote speaker and podcaster who has helped thousands of women around the world make more money by creating a personalized business strategy and masterminding their mindset so they can wake up every day and live the life they want. Welcome, Angela. Hey, hey, thanks so much for having me. Thanks for being here. (laughs) Yes, I'm pumped. It's always fun to be around good people doing good things and having good conversations. So yes, super excited to be here. Totally agree. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about how being more strategic in your business will help you get more leads, more sales, and more money in your pocket. And who doesn't want that? (laughs) Exactly. I mean, I'm here for more money, more wealth, and more awesomeness. So yes. (laughs) So first of all, I'd love it if you could start out by telling the listeners a little bit about what you do and how you got started in this work. Yeah, so I uh, got started. I'm actually an ex-mental health clinician of 15 years where I used to practice actually in the state of North Carolina until when I moved over to uh, Australia. So I used to diagnose people with schizophrenia, bipolar, autism, you know, anxiety, all of those things. Uh, And then I came to Australia, had a baby. I remember looking down on the ground when he was about nine months old and made all these electronical toys that had been given to us, which are great. Yes, I have iPads too and all that. But I was like, there's got to be something more. And so I went on a mission to try and find different toys that were not electric uh, and that could stimulate fine motor skills, gross motor skills, connection and bonding between parent and child, and just create long-lasting memories. And that's when I created my first e-com business. Obviously, we started off just like everyone, zero, 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 zero fans, zero followers, zero email lists. When we closed Finley and Me, we had over 1,400 different products. We had an email list of over 50,000. And we had a social media presence of over 110,000, I think it was at the time when we wrapped up. Uh, But Finley and Me also taught me the importance of revenue streams. It was through Finley and Me where I was signed with uh, Netflix, similar brands over in America like Hilton's, Club Meds, Whole Foods, et cetera, uh, because they wanted my audience. And so I then created content and shared it to there. So I became also one of Australia's leading parenting influencers. So I was able to make money through our products, but I was also able to make money by charging brands money to be able to access my audience and create content, which was great. Uh, And then I knew the day would probably come that I would get bored, A, because I've got ADHD, and B, I only can do so many baby things for so long and educational toys for so long. And as my kids got older that's exactly what happened and then after 14 different coffee dates and I don't even drink coffee and I didn't even know that I was going to start the bit like a consulting business that's when I was like oh those 14 coffee dates where I'm driving there and back and adding value oh if I would have charged for those coffee dates I could have a secondary business and that's how the Angela Henderson consulting came about Uh, and now I can have consulted thousands of women around the world uh, to create yeah, a personalized strategy and to help them make more money. So that's what I, that's where it started. And this is what I do now. That's super impressive <laughs> and quite an interesting journey too. Uh, the kind of uh, 
changes that you've you've been through and the, the different work that you've done. Yeah. Um, so that kind of moves me very well into my next question. So mm -hmm. I, I know that you have a ton of small business consulting experience and you mm -hmm. also scaled two successful businesses of your own. Mm -hmm. um, so what do you think business owners struggle to bring in sales and what can they do to overcome whatever's holding them back to reach their full potential? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing that I would say is the one thing that you can do right now to make more money in business is this. I've seen this over and over and over again. Now, I work specifically with women. 99% of my clients are women. The rest are men, obviously the 1%. But stop overcomplicating things. I see it over and over and over again. We were talking about this when you were on my podcast too. Do you know what I mean? It's like everyone's trying to do everything, but stop overcomplicating it. In my opinion, there are only three things that you need to focus on. And that is build your audience. And you do that either by organic partnerships or paid. You then need to nurture your audience and you need to sell to your audience. Stop making it more complicated than that. Like it doesn't have to be hard, but yet somewhere in our upbringing, in our journey of business, in our careers, a combination of things, we've been taught that in order to be successful, it has to be hard. In order for this to happen, you know, there's all these things that you have to do. And therefore, we just start to create chaos and overcomplicating things for no reason. Build your audience, either through organic partnerships, paid. Then once you build this audience, this is what I see so often people do is they've got this really great audience. Like I had a lady um, start working with me. She's like, I've got 20,000 plus people on my email list. And in my brain, I'm like, yes, this is going to be awesome, right? Like it, we've got some collaterals. We've got some eyeballs. I'm like, how often do you email them? She's like, oh, I haven't emailed them in like eight months. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what? She's like, and, and I was like, okay. I said, so when you do email them, I was like, don't tell me you're just asking them to buy from you. She's like, oh yeah, that's what I do. I'm like, oh no. Right. So it's like, you've got this great audience like she did, but she forgot to nurture them. And when you don't nurture them, the analogy that I use is you go to a bar and you see a guy in a, let's just say a cowboy. You guys are American, right? You see a nice cowboy. You're like, and you slap Johnny's ass. It could be Susie's too. I don't care what team you play for. Right. But you slap him on the ass and you're like, Hey, Hey, you and me in the bathroom for a quickie. Now, that might work for some people, hashtag no judgment if it does, but more than likely you might want to ask them their name. You might want to buy them a drink. You then might want to get their phone number. You then might want to text them. You then might want to invite them out for dinner or a date, and then you might get laid, right? But you need to nurture them. This sliding into the DM stuff really starts to shit me, right? Because I believe it compromises your brand, your integrity, and even for some people, your values, it can work, but I don't think in the world we're at right now where people want to be seen and people want to be heard and, and they don't want to be treated like meat in a transaction, I believe nurturing your audience is imperative for the growth of both short and long term of your business. So build your audience, nurture your audience, and then sell to your audience. When I say sell, the thing is, is I can go and look at people's socials, even their podcasts if they got one, whatever, and they've got cat memes, they've got cooking shows. They've got all this stuff that has an engaged audience, but these people know no different as to what you do and how they can buy from you. So really stop overcomplicating things as I say, and instead focus on building your audience, nurturing your audience and selling to your audience. Does that make sense, Agatha? Totally makes sense. <laughs> but I, I have some experience with marketing. So yeah, those are very um, solid principles that uh, 
definitely apply to a lot of different different businesses. Um, so yeah, so my next question is yep. kind of related to that about overcomplicating. But so mm -hmm. when I work with people, um, new entrepreneurs, uh, and I'm sure you also see this with the women that you coach, mm -hmm. people tend to be very busy, mm -hmm. not, not actually productive in their mm -hmm. business. So how do you think that they can focus their energy on things that actually bring them results versus just doing things for doing things sake? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's often I find people like I don't have enough hours in the day, you know, I'm just, I just wake up and then I all of a sudden it's four o'clock and I don't know what I've done. And I'm like, really? Well, let's first start by picking up your phone because your phone again isn't going to lie to me when I look at the data to say how long you've been on your phone for. The average person, and I've been looking at this data across clients of mine, spend about an average of four to five hours a day on their phone. That's 35 hours a week. That's a full-time job. <laughs> yeah, people are telling me they're not moving forward in their business. Why? Because you're fucking around. All right. So are you being busy scrolling on Instagram, scrolling on Facebook? I don't know, getting lost in the sea of death. Or are you even getting lost in the sea of, I'm just going to go to Canva. I'm going to create some really great graphics, but really you've got no place being in Canva because you don't know actually what you're doing. And it's taking you so long to even be there. Are you, I don't know, fluttering around doing laundry and everything else? Now I understand it has to be done, but I'm, I also work from home, but I got very strict about what I do during when I'm working and what I do when I'm at home. All right. So one of the things that I want you to assess whether or not you're being busy or if you're being productive is one, you get a free tool called Toggle and it's called T-O-G-G-L. You can install it on your phone and you can install it on your website. And anytime you move your browser or anytime you pick up your phone, it will say, do you want to toggle this? and you're going to say a hell yes and you're going to toggle school pickup school drop-off laundry cleaning um, your phone usage your uh, admin time canva time uh, discovery call time client time you're going to track it all and you can make these categories inside a toggle and you allocate each time to a category and at the end of the week it's going to tell you where you're spending most of your time this will allow you very quickly to see where are you being busy and where are you being productive. The second thing that it will do is it'll start giving you insight as to what you might need to outsource first. It could be that you actually need to outsource your home life before you outsource anything in your business life. Again, I see often this happen is it's cheaper for people to outsource a cleaner for two to three hours a week and gain that time back of not cleaning toilets and doing three more to three more hours of discovery calls, which will help you get more leads and make more clients. So that's where, again, you need to start assessing where are you being busy and where you're being productive. You will be shocked when you look at the um, information that Toggle gives you, because at the end of the week, it will give you a, re or a report, normally in a bar graph or a pie graph, and you, will, you can't lie about where you're, what you're doing. The second thing that I want you to do right now to get you more results is do daily revenue generating activities before you do anything else. These are, if you've had a discovery call, follow up on the discovery call. If you've got invoices that are outstanding, follow up on the invoices and or bill the clients for the work that you've done. All right. Um, 
do if you if podcast is part of one of your marketing channels make sure that you created the podcast edit it and get it out to your people send an email to your list again obviously you've nurtured them so again it might be whatever you're selling add value all right but daily revenue generating activities are often things that people avoid doing because they've got money blocks and so again, they're like, I'm not making any money. Well, again, and I've got 10 outstanding invoices and I have like $2,000, $5,000 waiting to come in, but they do nothing to go and chase the money. So again, get toggle and do daily revenue generating activities. I love that advice. I, I Yeah. Toggle I actually haven't heard of, so I will check that out. But I know that there's a lot of time tracking apps and, and things like that. It kind of reminds me of like mint.com for your money, but for your <laughs> for the things that you avoid doing and the things you you actually do. So that's pretty cool. Um, the revenue generating one. I, I think that one's hard for people who are just getting started, like the people listening to this podcast, because they can't tell the difference between what's revenue generating and what's not. So I liked your examples because uh, those are definitely, you know, if you're if you're if you haven't yet gotten a bunch of clients, it's about, you know, what are the marketing things that I'm doing, the things that may actually bring me a potential lead or a potential client. Um, right, and your revenue generating activities could be that you need to uh, make 10 new connections in one day from your house. Yeah. So how are you doing that? Oh, great. You run a networking group in Brisbane and your next event is, I don't know, August 1st. I would reach out to them, introduce myself, right? Ask if they need any help at that event, for example, potentially buy a ticket to that event. Do you know what I mean? Like those are, those are all things you might not see the revenue immediately, but there's still revenue. The difference is not immediate revenue. They're, they're called revenue generating activities for a reason. You're going to be doing these activities. And over time, the compact effect or compound effect that it's going to have is that you'll start to see more money in. Yeah. Yeah. And you, the point you made about the money blocks is super on point because I think it's money blocks, but it's also the things that are a little bit uncomfortable to do, the things that maybe you don't want to do. And so therefore you go and, you know, work in Canva, for example, or do things on your website or, you know, dilly dally on Instagram instead of actually doing the things that, you know, will, will make a difference in your business. I'd like to just talk about that a little bit more because what we talked about at the beginning when we your first question was more around like, you know, the one thing that you can do right now to make more money. And that was where I gave the answer about stop overcomplicating and focusing on building your audience, nurturing your audience, selling to your audience. But the, the number one thing as to the why I see businesses struggle to increase their profits and make more money is their mindset. And when I talk about their mindset, there's actually seven major mindset blocks that I see in the business owners that I work with. And those seven major mindset blocks are the following. So I just want you, if you're listening out there to this, ask yourself, which of these are coming up for you? Major mindset, another block number one that I see is self-trust, the belief in yourself, your growth, and your integrity. Block number two is self-love, the sense of one's own value or worth as a person. Block number three, worthiness, the quality of being good enough. Block number four is those money stories and blocks, you know, negative subconscious beliefs about money that limit you from achieving your success and desires. The next one is obsessive thinking, is a series of thoughts that typically reoccur, often paired with negative judgments. The sixth one that I see is divine timing. So the definition of divine timing is the belief that everything in our life happens at exactly the right moment. Where I see it become a major mindset block is when everyone tries to maneuver and figure everything out and manipulate the outcome. 
all right? And the seventh major mindset block that I see is imposter syndrome, which refers to believing that you are not as competent as others perceive you to be. These seven major mindset blocks, it doesn't matter if you go and get a new 2023 business planner diary, you're still going to fail. You're still going to self-sabotage. It doesn't matter what strategy I give you to go and make more sales because if any of these seven major mindset blocks are coming up, you've got work to do internally because you're your um, external world right now, whatever that looks like, is a direct reflection of your internal world. Let me repeat that your external world is a direct reflection of your inner world. So if you're not seeing money in your account, if your life is chaos, either in home life, family, or business, if you keep losing staff, if you, whatever, the list goes on and on and on. The reality of it is, is you've got one or seven or a combination of these seven major mindset blocks and you need to focus on that. So you either need to speak with someone like one-to-one, you need to look at NLP, neurologistics reprogramming, which works in your mindset. You need to look at working with a hypnotherapist or even working with healers. Until you get to the root of whatever that major mindset block is, it will continue to show up and show up and show up and it will hinder you from making more money. So again, I just want to touch on a little bit about those major seven major mindset blocks. Yeah, that's super important. And I think it's something that uh, business owners don't always realize that they have a block and it's only until they work with someone like you or me, like a coach where we can very much see what's going on, but they don't really, they think it's their marketing. They think it's their strategy. They think something else is going on, but, but it's very obvious that no, actually you've got some, some work to do, like you said, and there's different ways to go about it. But, and I, you know, I'm speaking from my own personal experience too, because I've probably had every single one of those blocks you've listed. Huh? So, yeah. and I've had to work through them and keep working, working on it because it doesn't always go away immediately. And it's, well, it doesn't always go away, but also as you, I look at business as startup growth and scale stage, you'll have different major mindset blocks that come up for startup. Then you do growth. And as you do scale, but you will always have mindset stuff come up. So it isn't like, it's just like you go and do a one session and it's done that you get your <laughs> tissues ready, get the snot ready to fall and get ready to get messy. But most people don't want to do that. That's why 1% of the population is a legitimate millionaires really, or whatever that statistic is for 2023, because people aren't prepared to get messy. People, they'll just avoid, avoid, and they do escapism through drinking, drugs, alcohol, sex, even addiction to business, but they won't go and look at the root problem and therefore remain stuck. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. So I know you have this 3S framework, you call it, Mm -hmm. uh, that you use in your business, but you also teach business owners to help Mm -hmm. them create more profit. Can you walk us through it? Yeah, absolutely. And the reason why I, sh- again, shared those seven major mindset blocks was because, again, if we're not working on those, it doesn't matter if I give you this strategy because you'll still self-sabotage, right? So now that we know that there's seven major mindset blocks, we know that we need to stop overcomplicating things and we know that we need to reflect on if we're being busy or productive. The first test is around showing up. And I know we even talked a little bit about this when you were on my podcast, for example, but showing up. How are you showing up in your business collectively? What platforms or channels are you showing up on? Are these the right ones? Also, are you sending things out like newsletters? Are you creating a podcast or YouTube channel? Now, I'm not asking you to go and do all of these things because as we know, more doesn't mean better. But the more you show up on the right platforms that you choose and are in alignment with, you get more visibility, more trust, more credibility, and it will equal more sales. 
But you might say, well, I am showing up on Pinterest's channel. Do you know what I mean? And I'm showing up on by creating a podcast and I'm going to networking and I'm doing all of these things. But the thing is, is in order to determine if they're giving you a return on investment and ROI, you have to look at the data. And this is where, again, most people won't do it or they put it at the bottom of their to-do list because it's like, oh, I've just got to make the next dollar. This will help you make the next dollar by showing up in the right places and getting a return on investment. I'll give you an example. Rochelle was one of my mastermind clients and she came to me and she's like, I'm sick of going to Pinterest. It's not doing anything for me. It's not doing it. And I said, oh, well, how do you know this? I said, have you implemented that any new client that comes on board you, in the onboarding process, you've asked them where they found you? Nope. When you've done discovery calls, are you asking them where they found you? Nope. Then I was like, well, Rochelle, how do you know that Pinterest isn't working for you? She's like, I just know. So I said, hold on. If you don't have the other data, let's open up your Google Analytics. Have you been reviewing that every month? Nope. And I was like, okay. So I've told her about all these things. But again, sometimes you've got to plant the seed until they take it and it flourishes. So we looked at her Google Analytics. Pinterest was her number one driving source of traffic back to her website. <laughs> And when I went and asked her to dig deep and go and ask like the last 10 clients that had worked with her, where they found her, I can't remember exact data, but it was like at least 60%. So six out of the 10 of those people had come from Pinterest. And I was like, Rochelle, you were just about to chop off your, your source of income that you do have. But instead, what she thought what was working was Instagram, Reels, yada, yada, yada. Instagram was the least performing traffic source. So what I'm saying is, is you need to understand where you're showing up. How are you showing up? Are you in alignment with the platforms or the platforms where your people are actually consuming content? And again, going back and looking at your data. Again, if you don't have Google Analytics set up, get it set up. You can't change the past, but you can change the future. It is all changing July 1 anyway. So make sure that you work with a web developer or read about how you set that up correctly. Um, Go back and again, if you haven't already asked old clients or the clients who might only, I only have 10 clients, go and ask them where they found you, right? It might not be a large, a large amount of data, but it's still data. Get curious as to where people are coming from. Or it could be someone referred you to someone. Well, if Susie's just referred you to your last six clients, maybe you need to take Susie out for a coffee or send her a thank you gift or something and explore how you can do more with Susie because you know that when Susie refers to you, they're closer to conversion for you. So yes, my first S is showing up. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. The reason I was laughing is because I saw the exact same pattern in my own data, <laughs> which mm -hmm. is why I downgraded. We just talked about this uh, on your podcast, but uh, yes, I but downgraded social Instagram. Exactly. I was like putting all this time and energy and I was just kind of like spinning my wheels on it. And I found that people were coming to me through search. And mm -hmm. I, I think it was even that percentage, 60% were coming through search, not from socials. So. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it's like, but we just think that we've got to do it the way of what we see everyone else doing it, right? The more you can stay true to you and what makes you happy and smile and where you want to show up. Like, for example, I hate LinkedIn. I'd rather gouge my eyes out than show up on that platform. The only reason why I even have any presence on LinkedIn is because we use a tool called Agora Pulse and we can tick a box and it'll publish all of our stuff over there. So I don't have a strategy for LinkedIn, right? I just tick a box. 
But when I go over there, I get extreme anxiety. I start to get the sweats because that place creeps me out. All right. So I don't spend time on LinkedIn, but I do spend time on my podcast. I do spend time networking. I have a huge network around the world, but that's like what lights me up. I'm a huge connector. It makes me happiness. Like, it gives me happiness to go to a networking event and hug someone and see them and get their energy. That fuels me. That fills me up. So yes, my first S is number one. My second S is strategy. And I want you to think about what is your overall strategy for your business? Most people, it's like, you know, who's steering the ship? No one. They've got no overall arching they're just throwing spaghetti at a wall and hoping it sticks. Or they keep going to YouTube, then they're going to Google, then they're asking people for advice who've never even done it before, and then they're doing it. No, surround yourself with the people that are go that already know what they're doing, such as yourself, Agatha, you know, whoever it is that has the knowledge that can help you to grow. But again, next thing is make sure you've got a strategy. You've got it. It might, you might, no one ever follows a strategy to the T because we're evolving human beings and entrepreneurs also get shiny object syndrome. And a lot of us also have ADHD. So we're never sticking to it, but that's what makes us awesome. But you still have to have an overall strategy plan, six months, 12 months, and even looking into the bigger future. So I want you to think about what is your current business strategy? And if you haven't sat down to map that out, I'd encourage you to do so. Find someone who's in a strategy, Agatha, myself, there'd be other people who you align with and get this strategy mapped out for you. Now that's an overall business strategy, all right? The overall business strategies might look also at your finances. It might look at your personal development. It will also look at your marketing strategy. There's a whole bunch of things that encompass an overall strategy. But then the second thing is, is you've obviously just identified what channels you're going to use, right? For your business. And where you're going to be showing up. So I also want you to think about what is your promotional rhythm strategy? It could be a marketing strategy call, but I look at my promotional rhythm strategy. What products do I have? What item am I going to put out every single week? And what platforms, aka channels, am I going to market this on? And have a specific strategy for each of those platforms. Strategy helps you, but it also helps the people who are consuming your content and finding you to help educate them on what you do and help them in that customer journey to taking the next steps to working with you. Without strategy, you're leading potential leads to, that, to, to nowhere. And if that's the case, then all this hard work that you're doing is getting you zero in return. So my second S is strategy. I love that. And it's very clear that you're very buttoned up in your business when you talk about your strategy. I can tell that you probably have a spreadsheet or asana or something that you're using to like put it all together. And I think that is very lacking with, with people who are in business when they're, you know, new in business. Hey, listen, you don't need the bells and the whistles. Don't compare my chapter 30 to your chapter one. Like I just used pages upon pages of paper at the beginning. I use simple spreadsheets, even just to do my finances at the beginning. Oh, spent this money, put it in the, do you know what I mean? Well, first of all, I wrote everything down on paper. Then I was like, shit, shit's getting lost because of ADHD. So then I got a spreadsheet. Okay, put this in. And then I got an accountant. Then I understood about zero. Then I understood how I could automate it, right? I didn't, I didn't understand that at the beginning. You've got to start somewhere. I would much rather you just create a business plan on a white piece of paper or put it on a whiteboard and have the chaos from your head in somewhere so you understand where you're going than not having it at all. Yeah. So again, yeah, so that's my first S is showing up, second S is strategy, and my third S is selling. 
this is the thing. If you're listening out here, you've probably had a job at some stage. My first job was working in a bingo hall in Canada, right? But if we've all had a job, regardless if it's a nine to five or not, you typically enter like your job comes out of the newspaper or wherever you see it. You apply for the job, you interview for the job. Uh, you then sign your contract for the job. You understand what your KPIs are. But if you don't do those KPIs, you get hauled into the boss's office, you get reprimanded, either let go or fired, or you get to meet a warning. I don't know how women in business are not treating selling as part of their job description. Your job is to sell every single day as a business owner. Remember, if you're like, oh my God, I can't sell. It's too icky. Too many people are going to hate me. Oh my God. Well, then you might be in the wrong doing field here. But if selling makes you nervous, I want you to replace this with selling is simply serving. Every day you get to show up and serve your audience the awesomeness that you bring and tell them about how they can get that awesomeness and help transform their life. I do believe that selling is your responsibility every single day to sell. And you might think, Ange, that's overkill. Seven days a week. Yes, especially if you're new to business and you're specifically focusing on an organic strategy for growth. Why? Because you're lucky if not if 5% of your, if you're choosing to be on, say, your marketing channel is, let's say, Instagram or Facebook, you're lucky if 5% of that audience sees what you actually have on any given day. So if you have 100 people following you on Instagram, you're lucky if five people see your stuff on that day. And you have to hope that one of those five people want what you have on offer. So it is not overkill by asking for the sale every day. Now, again, when you create your marketing strategy for that particular channel, there might be different ways that you do it. It's not, I'm not asking you every day, just be like, buy my shit. It could be that you're doing an educational post. Tip Tuesday, did you know, blah, 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 blah. Ange. P.S. Looking for more support? Head to AngelaHenderson.com.au to book in a discovery call. You can soft sell yourself every day. It can be to a discovery call. Or 50 ways to get new clients and leads is one of my downloadables. Head to my link in my bio and download it today. So selling isn't just about asking for money or getting on the thing. It could be a discovery call. It could be downloading something, etc. But it is your responsibility to sell every single day. Often I see people doing a really great job at, at first S, showing up. Great, they've actually got some sort of strategy. But guess what? They're not asking for the sale. I'll look at their emails. I'll look at their podcasts. I'll look at their socials. I'll look at their networking. And they are not asking any Tom, Dick, and Harry for anything. So again, selling is the last thing. So yeah, those are my three S's, showing up, strategy, and selling. And if you only have one part of the puzzle piece, you're going to reduce how much money you can make. So you need to infuse all these puzzle pieces together to make more money. Yeah, I love those steps because they're simple. I mean, I'm not saying that they're not epic because they are, but mm -hmm. they're, they're easy to grasp. And I do agree that selling is probably the hardest one for people because you are, you know, showing up and talking about what you do. And sometimes that feels uncomfortable for people, but you're right. Like it, when I shifted to selling from a place of service versus just selling and trying to do kind of the old school tactics, like it felt a lot different to me. And it felt like, you know, when I talk to somebody on a consult call, it's more about, is this person the right fit for me? And am I the right fit for them? And if it's not, then I'm not gonna, like, there's no convincing on my part. It's all, 
And I felt like I kind of had to do that when I was first learning sales because that was something new for me. And it's not about that. It's about, can I help them with the goals that they have in their business? And if not, then I'm going to refer them to someone else or I'm going to find another solution for them. And I think that's the place where you have to be and you, you can't be attached to the outcome or you'll 100%. drive yourself crazy. <laughs> and remember, I believe that you're doing a disservice by not selling every day. You're doing a disservice from those people who need you to better their lives. So if you're a perimenopause and menopause nutritionist, for example, and you're not selling every day, there are women around the world who are having perimenopause and menopause earlier than ever before, going through all these horrific symptoms that no doctors really, like you're kind of getting gaslit by your doctors, your partners don't really understand it, you're doing it alone, you're doing a disservice for those women to continue every day to think that they're alone and that there's no help out there for them. So it's like, to me, it's like, I also feel like we've got this responsibility to be showing up and asking for this sale to be able to help not just make more money for us, but to help more people and make a bigger impact for those that we know we're working with. And selling again comes down to normally one of those seven major mindset blocks that we just talked about. Because the reality of it is also, if you kind of strip it back one more thing is our subconscious brain makes up 97% of our overall decisions. And there's three primary things that our subconscious is already doing before our rational brain does. But it's our subconscious brain is around not feeling safe, not belonging, or not feeling that we're enough. Mm -hmm. I'm not good enough to put this out here. I don't feel safe to put this out here because when I was a, when I was growing up in kindergarten, I went to, I mean, I stood up on stage and I gave this speech and I peed my pants and everyone laughed at me. So if you don't, you might not feel safe to put yourself out there. You might not feel that you're good enough to put yourself out there. You might not feel you belong, whatever that looks like. You have in a very individual and specific story. We need to figure out what that story is, where it's come from, because if not, it will continue to block you. Yeah. So yes. <laughs> totally agree. I uh, have learned a lot about the limbic system and the fight or flight response and uh, how that gets triggered. Uh, and that's how I actually became a coach. So uh, yeah, lots to, to look into there. So uh, I, I know you touched on a mindset already, but uh, I know that you've got four small words that will radically change your mindset. So I wanted to, if we could briefly talk about that before we close out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, I say they're radical, but again, I think again, if you were to get this tattooed, you know, you'd probably make more money, which is similar to what I just said before is ask for the sale, ask for the sale, ask for the sale, ask for the sale, right? The more you get comfortable with asking for the sale, the more money you will make in a conversation. I love that. <laughs> Not what I was expecting, though, <laughs> but but it's good. So um, to close out, what would you say to the new solopreneur who's just getting started in their business? What advice would you give them? My advice would be pay to play. And what I mean by pay to play is, is I started out in business, too, where I didn't have a lot of money and I would go to free things. And those free things left me discouraged and frustrated because they were either the wrong people at these free things I was going to. I wasn't learning what I needed to learn, whatever. But then I started like getting a bit more clever. I was like, okay, I don't have a lot of money, but I'm going to pay $10 to go to this one specific thing that I needed where my right people were there, right? And then I made a little bit and then I was like, oh, 
oh, I felt live and up and excited and they were the right people and they would connect with other people. And then I paid $20 and so on, all right? So then I finally dropped $13,000 to go to a mastermind over in the Philippines. And I had to call up Chris Ducker and I was like, listen, I want to come, but I'm going to need a payment plan. And it's going to be super tight for me to like pull this off with airfares. And it was one of the most game-changing experiences that I've ever had. Because when you pay, you pay attention, even at $5 and $10. And I believe that the transformation occurs when the transaction takes place. Regardless of how small or big it is, a $5 thing, or I paid $45,000 to work with a business coach last year, right? Like you, you, you show up, you stand a little bit taller, you believe in yourself a little bit more, your confidence increases, your self-esteem increases. Every, it's like this, I can't describe it, but you get a physiological reaction when you start to pay to play. So I want you to think about what do you need in your business right now that will move you to the next step and find that human, whether or not it's Agatha, whether or not it's me, whether or not it's who knows. A hypnotherapist could be the biggest thing that you need right now. It could be an accountant. I don't know. But again, if you have a strategy, even if it's mapped out on a simple piece of paper and you start toggling your time, you're going to know who you need to reach out to first and pay to play. That's awesome advice. That's something I wish people uh, did early on as well. And I, I, I know from personal experience, when I've paid to play, when I've gotten a coach, when I've done a program, I definitely show up more. And the same thing happens for the people who work with me because the minute that they send over their money, they're already like jazzed to start. And that doesn't happen when you do something for free. When I've coached people for free, they maybe don't even show up to the call or they show up exactly. late or distracted or whatever it is. And you're totally right that it's, and, it's a different energy when, when you've got skin in the game. <laughs> and I'd also say for those people out there that might be like, well, I don't have any money. That's okay for you. I get that and Angela who have got money. I call bullshit. I didn't have a lot of money at the beginning. Okay. But my thing again is if you want to track where you're spending your money also, I can guarantee you that you are buying coffee, wine, beer, shoes, eating out, whatever. And even if you cut back to half of that, you'd have enough money to buy a small course that will help you do whatever you need to do next mm -hmm. to attend that next networking event. But it's your priorities that you need to choose. Because I also believe whatever you are not changing, you are choosing. And nobody is coming to save you. So again, think about this. It's, it's really, it is on you for not finding the money. Nobody else. I'm not asking you to go an astronomical amount of debt. But what is it costing you by not going and getting the help? Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's something that you've got to sit with. But when I hear, I, I don't have the money, I don't have the time. Again, pick up your phone. You're probably spending an average of four hours a day on your phone. You've got time. You choose not to make it a priority. Just like finding money to pay to play isn't a priority, that's fine. But what you're saying is your business isn't a priority. Yeah. You have to be okay with that decision. Yeah, it's an excuse. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. awesome. So uh, I really loved having you on the show today. And my last question for you is where can people find out more about you and the work that you do? Uh, yeah, I always say the best place is to go to my website, which is AngelaHenderson.com.au. And from there, you can choose to listen to my podcast, the Angela Henderson Online Business Show, which you were just on. We've just recorded with you, too. Or again, you can go over to my Instagram, which is Angela Henderson Consulting. But I say, again, it's kind of like an all-you-can-eat buffet. If you head to my website, you can pick and choose what you want. Uh, and again, that's AngelaHenderson.com.au. Awesome. So I will definitely put all of that info in the show notes so you guys can find it. 
And again, thank you so much for being here. It's super cool to meet you and talk to you. <laughs> yes, so and fun again to hang out with you. I hope you have a beautiful day. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to The Intentional Solopreneur. I hope you're getting some good information and some inspiration to help you grow your business. If you like what you've heard and you want the support of a business coach, come on over to agathabrewer.com and schedule a free consultation with me. In this call, we'll talk about your goals for your business and see if it makes sense for us to work together. My one-on-one coaching program is specifically built to help new entrepreneurs like you launch and grow a successful business. This program will help you get clarity on what you want to build, create a strategic plan of action, and identify and release any mindset blocks that are standing in your way. Because building a business shouldn't be so hard. And with my support, you'll reach your goals way faster than if you try to do it all alone. So I invite you to give yourself the gift of personalized support so you can build your dream business that allows you to live the life you want and make a bigger impact on the world.